sure I'm very optimistic that by the time you leave this particular program, there will be a lot of change, restoration, and the Lord will come through for each and every one of us in the mighty name of Jesus. Yeah. This is one uh, kings of grace, 1,000 kings of grace. It's a fellowship, the men's fellowship of grace assembly. And we are all about transforming lives. Praise the Lord. Grace Assembly is all about roots and fruits. And I'm very optimistic that at the end of today, you will experience it in the name of Jesus. Please relax. This is not, this is, uh, is, uh, is, is different from every other uh, activity or whatever you uh, go for. Just relax because we are going to enjoy ourselves here. Yeah? It's going to be fun. We're going to learn. It's going to be a time of refreshing in the presence of God. So relax, stay blessed, and enjoy the goodness of the Lord in the mighty name of Jesus. Without wasting much time, I will use this opportunity to call my daddy in the house to give us a sweet charge. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for a Reverend Dr. Femi Paul. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Please take a comfortable seat. Um, let me thank uh, Minister James Lawrence for being very visionary about the work of the Lord, the ministry of marriage and building men. Can you help me celebrate him? Thank you so much. And your wife in tow as well. Um, let me thank a thousand uh, kings of grace. This is the Men's Fellowship of Grace Assembly. I'm sure some of them are still coming. Some of them have traveled. And we want to thank the executives of the Thousand Kings of Grace as well. I know that it costs a lot of money, a lot of planning. And let me thank our guests also. Uh, I reserve that I'm going to allow the right person to introduce them. Help me celebrate them. Thank you so much for coming. We feel very honored to have you here. Now, um, only this morning, uh, let me thank our MCs, the Mr. and Mrs., so delectable couple. Um, let me, this morning, as I was preparing to come here, I had an encounter with the Lord, and I found something, and I brought it here. Do you have the slide by uh, Apostle David Abodere? Um, and it says, yes. I had to save it and send it to the multimedia. It's subtitled, Reverend Dr. David Aboderi is a senior apostle in um, PFN Lagos, is a friend of mine. It's subtitled, Better Men. While men are looking for a better method, God is looking for a better man. Better men are the methods of God. You know, it's because I practice intelligent Christianity, so I'm always looking for better methods of doing things. But I learned that better methods will always be good. But until better methods are given to better men, better methods may not produce the result. So that's why I particularly um, celebrate the thousand men of grace led ably by Mr. James Lawrence, because this setup is an opportunity to produce better men. Think about it. If we had better men in Nigeria, 
what will Nigeria be like? If we have better men in charge of institutions, what do you think Nigeria will be like? And guess what? This sound will be a little controversial, but I'm going to say, if Adam was a much better man, even when Eve got into trouble, he would have taken a better decision. Because to whom much is given, headship is a big honor. The Bible says the man is the head of the home, the head of the woman. It's not just for your head to be swelling. It's also a responsibility to whom much is given, much is required. So if Eve behaves like a child, Adam should not have behaved like a child. Perhaps if he was under the leadership of the minister James and all the men of Grace Assembly, maybe he would realize that when Eve made a mistake, he should have made up for the mistake. And I guess what he should have done is said, why did you do that? This is not what God said. And instead of waiting for God to come, he should start crying to God. Father, have mercy. Not that my wife has sinned, we have sinned. And you know, the Bible says that God does not turn away a repentant heart. The whole trajectory of humanity will have changed. Adam was the son of God. But he needed a fellowship like thousand men of grace, kings of grace. Because then he will have evolved to be a better man. I want to thank God for everyone that has come. My prayer is this. When we're done celebrating men by tomorrow... All of us will be better men in Jesus' name. Not only better men, we go about making other men to become better men. The thing about better is there's always room for improvement. And I'm sure our guest speaker has a lot for us today. And I want you to sit back, enjoy yourself. And I know the women are smiling at me. They're already loving me because they say, Ah, it's good. My husband will become a better man. As we become better men, we will make better our wives too in Jesus' name. Thank you so much. I look forward to what lies ahead today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You see, the man that is standing before us right now is not just a reverend, but a very accomplished gentleman. And I would like to have the honor of being able to explain the depth of glory that we are about to receive. Reverend Emmanuel Okoro called verily in life by God to be an apostle evangelist to the whole world. He has been working in the gospel mission as an evangelist, a teacher, a prophet, a pastor, and a missionary. Today, he is the general overseer and the president of Salvation Truth Evangelical Ministries. He also administers the office of bishop and apostolics in Dove Olive Church in Lagos, Nigeria. Before taking full-time ministry, this minister, Reverend Emmanuel Okoro, worked in the oil and gas industry as an ICT systems engineer and a manager for Halibut and Energy Services. He is married with three children, and he has taken his time out to come here today. So please, with a standing ovation, let us rise and appreciate what stands before us today. Okay, so quickly, 
I welcome every one of you. Maybe you are all members of uh, Grace Assembly, or maybe there's somebody who is not a member, but I welcome all of you to Grace Assembly Church and to the 1,000 Kings of Grace Seminar, Building a Happy Christian Family Home. I deliberately put all those details, Happy Christian Family Home. That's not exactly what was given to me, okay? But I just put Christian Family Home all together. Okay, the next slide. I already give, gave the honor to our senior pastor and to everyone of you, but I thank God Almighty who has given me this privilege to stand before you today. Glory to him forever in Jesus' name. Yes, the next slide. You see, there's this hymn from uh, the Baptist, hymn number 377, that talked about God give us Christian hope. Okay? We're not going to sing it. We're not going to sing it. Just... I just put it there for you to see uh, what we're looking forward to, to talking about. We're looking forward to talking about God give us Christian home, where the Bible is loved and taught. Where the Bible is loved and taught. Okay? The homes where the will of God is sought. And also, homes crowned with beauty that love had wrought. The love that God has shown to every one of us, where it is being promoted. So God give us Christian home. Sansa 2 says God give us Christian home. Homes where the Father is true and strong. Homes that are free from the blight of wrong. I know there are wrongs every, in every aspect of our life, but we deal with wrongs. We make wrongs to be right. We make you know, beauty out of wrongs. Just like our senior pastor said just now. We wish that Adam had taken a different decision, different process in handling Eve's challenge. But he fell along and everything got so bad. We are in it today. <laughs> but thank God Jesus has brought us out of it. Amen. Okay. And so homes that are joyous with love and song. God give us Christian homes. And that's three. Say, give us Christian, God give us Christian homes where the mother is queenly quest. Okay? Strive to show others thy way is best. Homes where the Lord is an honored host. I took it a little bit. There are homes where Jesus is a guest. But please, we have better revelation today. Jesus has to be the host. Yes, Hallelujah. Yes. So, God give us Christian homes. Sounds like four, God give us Christian homes. Homes where the children are led to know Christ and his beauty who loves them so. Homes where the altar fires burn and glow. God give us Christian homes. Praise God. This is uh, a summary of everything we're going to look at right now real quick. The next slide. Now, the family makeup. Family makeup. God is part of the family. And when I talk about God, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you have a home where God is not part of the family, it's not complete. It's not complete at all. So, God, that's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are part of the decision makers in the home. So, anytime you want to have a discussion, you bring him in to have those and take those decisions. And then, of course, the husband, the man, father. 
and then the wife, the woman mother. I have deliberately used those words because you know today because of so many funny, funny stories. Okay? <laughs> very, very funny, funny stories. You know, if we want to talk about gender now, we have about 12 genders now in humanity. Praise God. And then we have children. Now, the above is the nucleus family. The nucleus family. But not only in Africa, all over the world. We have the extended family where it includes parents of couples, the relatives, then even church members like this assembly. They are part of our families. And also uh, friends. And then we also have others which we can consider part of family like our colleagues and neighbors. Because when we use the word family, we're talking about where influence is coming from into the family. Influence. And we're being influenced left, right, center, all around, every second, per second, per second, even without you knowing it unconsciously. Influence is hitting all our family members. You talk to your son in the morning, he goes back to school, by the time he's back, he's a different personality. Totally different. You have to struggle through to understand what has happened for you to bleach whatever has been you know, programmed into him out. It's quite a challenge. The next slide, please. So, the home, the word home, we all know it. We are all educated here. We are enlightened people. Home is a very unique place. Okay? The home is the sacred root where everything originates. Safety, peace, security, direction, faith, knowledge, character, attitude, everything, salvation, and righteousness. Everything originates from home. Well, this is the positive side. The negative side is likewise, because you find even from home, that's where every evil also originates, if you are not careful. If you are not careful. As the general saying goes that charity begins... So we all know this, but just know that home is a place that is supposed to be safe, secured, a place of peace, a place of joy, a place of love. Okay, so the, the focal point, okay, place of reference, that is it. The home is a place, uh, we say it in local parlance, that when you are running from danger, from trouble, you do not run past your door. But when you get to your door, you are safe. Every part, anywhere you go in the world, some insecurity is, you are conscious of some, ins, some sense of insecurity. But when you get to your home, you breathe, hmm, I'm at home now. And you know, you don't knock your own door before you enter. You don't take permission before you open the refrigerator. It's a place where you are at liberty, totally free from all confusion, every, but when that home becomes a place where you are thinking otherwise, you are wondering what to do, then there's a problem. Praise God. Okay. The next slide. So, personal divine promise I will make right now is this. I personally promise and commit to love and keep my marriage and my family in love, joy, and peace to the end of, of time. In Jesus' name. You, can you make that promise right now? Are you sure? You sure you can make it? Let's go. I personally promise and commit to love and keep my marriage and my family 
in love, joy, and peace to the end of time in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 A big amen. amen. Yes. Okay, so the Christian home focus is Christ only. Christ only. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Now, why do we say Christ only? <laughs> because you are a Christian. You are a Christian for Christ's sake. And as a Christian, we need to understand what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is not a human being. A Christian is not an Igbo man. He's not a Yoruba man. He's not an Robo man. He's not. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, and then it says, Those that believe, they are giving power to become the children of God. If you read verse 30, it says, They are no more born of the will of man, nor of blood, not of flesh, but of the spirit of God himself. So when you talk about of something, of English language, we have chairs that are of wood. We have chairs that are of plastic. That means the substance where they are made is plastic or wood or glass. So when you are born of God, you are a small God. You, are, you have the nature of God, the character of God. Very, very important. So, in every Christian assembly, when I get there, because in marriage, people quote, you know I'm an woman. I'm an Asaba woman. I'm an Ibado woman. It's wrong. If you are a child of God, you are not of this world. So, we're supposed to model a different kind of home and marriage and teach the world how marriage is done, how family is run. Praise God. Hallelujah. So that is why we need to focus on Christ. We need to model everything with Christ in focus. So now, when you talk about Christ only, we are existing in Christ. So everything, we take it from Christ and we do it. Anything we don't take from Christ is wrong. And you will wonder, say, oh, Will Christ help us to manage finance about love making? About yes, is there? Is there? Hallelujah. Yes. Okay, so we're talking about number two. Many of us, when we got married, we know Christ. We are born again. We are children of God. But we came into marriage with different background and perception. This the first problem we want to address. We have so many perceptions, some of beliefs we have. We were not taught, we were not instructed, we were not trained to think differently before we got into marriage. Some of the few concepts I can bring here, having children. Is that why we get married? No. You don't marry to have children. Why did God say, you should get married. We will see it shortly. Children are just additional benefits. And that's why when you find out when people are married, they don't have children, there's big problem, big issue. A lot of problems. No. What did God say? When you look at her and say, it is not good for the man to be alone. He needs help. That is the purpose of it. That's why you need somebody you can confide in. Somebody you, a companion. Somebody for you to fellowship with. 
That is why God made marriage. You can have children without marriage. You can have those things. And today we have so many children outside marriages. We know this. So we need to understand the fundamentals. The fundamentals. Okay? So, most important need is Christ. Make this most important decision in your life to focus on Christ only. Because Hebrews chapter 12 already says it, that Jesus is the author and finisher. Okay? And the Bible says the judge shall live by faith. 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 That is the key thing that runs in our blood. In fact, faith is our blood tonic. It's our spirit tonic. Without faith, you are dead. Without faith, you can't do anything. So we need to bring in faith into our homes, into our marriage, into our family, in life. We want to see everything super doing. Oh, great. And all. No, you need faith to deal with some of those problems. Your child does something wrong, your wife does, your husband does something wrong. Believe that something will come out of it. Don't just say, oh, this is dead, this is condemned. If that's the case, I quit. Oh, I don't want anymore. This is not what I bargained for. No. If you are a child of God, born of God, you need faith to carry through because faith is the element that carries us through all the turbulence of life. Praise God. Okay, so go to the next slide. Still on the on Christian home. Build the Christian family home. If you read First Corinthians chapter 3, it was talking about the instrument you use to build. Now listen, everything you are going to build will be tested. Everything will be tested. We all know it. We are going through all the various tests, day and night. And when that test comes, we will know whether you build right or not. Because when the test comes, if your marriage is going for, towards divorce, you are building wrongly. You are building wrongly. If your children are becoming something else, you are building wrongly. So that's why St. Paul said, hey, you better build with gold that fire cannot consume. There are things that cannot be consumed. You know the Bible says it in the Hebrews. He said, God said, I will shake heaven and earth so that those things that can fall apart will fall off. There are things that can fall off easily in our lives, in our relationship, in our families. Praise God. And this comes to the point, okay, uh, to number five, which is the things we are using to build. Today, many of us are building with what we see on TV, what we see on media, what we see on WhatsApp. You see a husband treat a wife through a movie. You say, oh, that's the way to do it. <laughs> you see a woman talk to a friend and all that. You think the media, the movies, they have become standard that you used to run your life. Very, very wrong, very bad. Run away from them. You don't need them. The standard is the word of God. The standard is Christ. Remember, Christ is the word of God. Christ is the word of God. I'm not actually saying Christ. I'm not just referring to Jesus. Christ is the anointing. Christ is the anointed one. Is the, is the anointing. And the anointing comes from your worship, the word of God, your prayers, everything. The anointing will flow. If the anointing doesn't flow, nothing happens. 
Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. You see, once that anointing comes, you will see, if you read Isaiah chapter 11, when the Bible is talking about the root out of Jesse, and we're talking about the spirit. The spirit there, it was broken into so many dimensions. Spirit of understanding, discretion, wit. You see, all this thing will be manifesting in you. Praise God. Hallelujah. We have traditional concept in our brain, customs. When I married my wife, I sat her down. I sat her down. For almost three months, I was training her. I said, listen, I'm not an robo man. Because in robo, when a wife drops food on the table, you will kneel down, give water to wash her. I said, sorry, I'm a child of, I'm a servant of deliverance. You will not do that in this house. You will never do it. He said, ah. I said, listen, we want to do it the Jesus way. Today, I have the best of, of marriage. The very best. Every time my wife will be thanking God. Because we went through the school. For me to even make love to my wife, it took long because I had to educate her how to make love. You cannot just jump on a woman and be making love. We'll talk about it. Yes. We'll talk about it. It's, I told her, I said, if you will not enjoy the love making, I will not make love to you. It must be mutually inclusive. Yes. Yes. So, we have social standard, global standard, because somebody is educated, we think it's right. Because somebody has a PhD, we think it's right. No. This has nothing to do with right. It's the word of God that is right. Okay, so, we need to define our value system, our value chain. Because today, we are not talking about business here, or social, sociology and all of that. But as far as value system is concerned, most of us, we have different wrong value chain in our brain. Some of us, we value money more than family. Some of us value uh, friendship more than family. So when it comes to uh, man you explain, this or that, we forget about family. The family needs us, but what does that mean to us? Because our value chains are wrong. Especially money. Today, these days, we value money so much that we're ready to sacrifice anything. You hear about people, the unbelieving world, where people kill their father, kill their mother, kill their children for money. It's the value system. If they were to value family more than, more than money, then they will not sacrifice family for that money. So the same thing within the Christian fold, we have people that have different value systems. We value money, we value pride, we value position in society, and we are destroying the fabrics of family life. We are destroying what life really means to us. Okay, so we need to redefine our value. Well, the simple chain I put down is that God is the number one. Over and above everything. Forget about everything. Drop focus on God, on Christ first. That's the number one. That's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6. Are we? It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So first is the righteousness. And Jesus is that righteousness. Is that not? Do we have any righteousness we can boost up? No. 
Christ is the righteous. Seek that one first. Then you can talk about family follows. After family, talk about business like money. Then after that, friends. Then we can talk about others. If you break that chain, there are consequences. There are consequences. So today you find people are married, the wife is in UK, the husband is here, and all of that. They value money, value position, value. No, no, no. In the Bible, you see that every couple were moving together with their family. Abraham with Sarah, you know, everybody. They were always together. There's nothing like, oh, my wife is in, uh, is in uh, South Africa, and I'm here. How many of them, they've rubbish, they've messed up their marriage. Many of them have slept, many of them, some, some of them have other children. We, we are solving those problems today in Canada and US. It's, it's a mess because our value chain is wrong. You need to define these values and stand by them and promote them for your family and train your children especially because the next generation may be worse. Not even maybe it's going to be terrible. Because now most of us are children are 20 something, 30 something. You just are wondering how do we correct all these things now? Yeah. You start wondering how do we correct? And then when you are no more here, what, what, what will happen to them? It's a big problem. They are serious problems. But we need to. I'm taking us to the fundamentals. The value chain. We need to stamp our feet on the standard value chain that we want to run. For us to have a beautiful family and a godly, wonderful family. The next slide. Foundation to become a husband or wife. That's what I've said earlier. Not to be alone. Loneliness kills. And let me tell you, all these children we are running after children, children, children. In no time, they will grow up, have their own husband and their own wives. You will come back to the same table, you and that woman. <laughs> and let me tell us, today people that are talking about single parents, single parents, they are deceiving themselves. They are going to hit a heavy rock. Because when you get to the middle ages, and you are now going, I'm 65 by Wednesday. Praise God. Listen, when you get to the middle age, you will know what life is all about. And you find that loathsomeness will destroy. Because you know why you need companionship? Somebody to confide in. Even somebody that you even, because the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, and they were both naked. The nakedness the Bible is talking about is to be open, totally opened. I was telling a woman that is a single parent. I said, look, be careful because these children, they are in secondary school now. The time will come when you'll be, so, be such a lone person that <laughs> I said, because these are your children. If you have problem in your gonads, you cannot naturally just put yourself see, see the problem I'm having. You can do that to your husband. I'm telling you. If a father has such a problem, he cannot put himself up to his children. Let me tell you, it's a serious business. So it's about so that you better love the husband and the wife you have now and hold on to him or her very well with the true love of Christ. It's not something like, okay, I don't care. This or that. I can live alone. It's life about money. It's life about money. No, money does a lot too, but it's not about that. It's not about that. Let me just divert a little bit. He did have plenty of money, but the wife has plenty of money. Yes. The wife 
confronted him. He was a lawyer, he was a politician, he was a wife. He pursued wisdom. He wrote many things about wisdom. Highly respected man. The wife subjected herself to the husband. But when many wives, Christian, Christian folk, when they have more money than the husband, the Bible did not say that. The woman can have more money than the, the man. There's no problem because there are men that are called to be priests of God. There are men that are called to be different kinds of level. So it's not that, okay, the, the head of the family must have more money. No, the headship has nothing to do with money. It's about authority. It's about influence. It's about wisdom. So because of that, many men have sacrificed their purpose, the purpose for which God made them, because of the purpose of money, because they want to please the wife, this that, and the wife is dead to say, what kind of man are you? You can't do this thing. You are bloody shit, and all of that. <laughs> Let me tell you, couples that have discovered all this truth, that are living according to the ordinance of God, they are very happy today. Very happy. There are women that buy cars for their husband. They build a house. There's a couple of like that in my church. Okay? And the woman subject to... When they first of all came to the, to the church, it was battle. I sat them and said, listen, God has made it that you, your hand, if they have to have with money, just be subject to your husband. That's all. Let there be peace. Today, the car the woman bought is the husband that uses it. The house is the woman that built it. They are in peace, they are in joy. You need to understand God's principle concerning the structure and all it takes to be a husband, a wife, and even children in the name of Jesus. Okay, so uh, we talk about control. Then, of course, sex and children just added goodness. Cleaving. This is an area we have problem. Let me tell you. When you get married, eh, you are supposed to be a totally a new person. New. You're supposed to be transformed to be a new person, away from your past. But many of us bring our past into the marriage. We bring all the dictates that run in your, between your father and your mother. Maybe if your father or mother are polygamous, you want to, like many people say, oh, men are generally polygamous. Can you prove it that men are polygamous? No, that's not true. That's not true. It's never true. There are reasons, there are psychological factors that led to all this concept. Uh, men are polygamous. Okay, so we need to move on. Importance of courtship and marriage school. This is where we need it. This foundation to become a husband and wife is something that many of us got married without courtship. And many marriage problems are starting from lack of knowledge of who you married. You just saw the beauty, say, oh, I love you. Six months, just go to the altar. Even three months, even just a month. Okay? Uh, then no marriage school. At least your marriage school should be about three months. Three months. Yes. Many of us didn't go to marriage school. We just drag ourselves to the pastor. Ah, this and that. Okay. Uh, we, to, we love each other. We love. Is love enough? No, is love enough? No, is love is not enough. <laughs> it's not enough. Love. Because one of the factors you will deal with in the course of your marriage are wear and tear and aging. 
And then when that begins to happen, you find that the love wins. And then we begin to fall in love with the pointed breast girls. <laughs> no, 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 no. Please. It's, it's a, so we need to go through courtship. So many of us, there's a couple in Canada that uh, they've been married for 25 years. I took them through courtship all over. They agreed. Even their pastor that wedded them in Nigeria said, yes. Because they didn't look at you and say, you are having problems. And this problem, all these factors, all these symptoms, they are because you don't know yourselves. You don't know each other. You are strangers. And when you marry a stranger, you will see strange things. <laughs> that is it. That's what happens. And you know you cannot manage strange things. Because strange things are things you don't understand. You cannot forecast them. You can't. How do you do that? Okay, so remember, some of you, if you need to do courtship again, start it all over again. Yes, yeah, just tell your husband, I say, we want to start a courtship. Let me know you. Eh? Let me know you. I tell you, when I married my wife, look, my wife is somebody that she doesn't talk. She's the quieter. So when I was cutting her, when I visit her, I will be the only one talking in the room. Everybody will wonder, why is one man talking to himself? <laughs> then I will laugh. I will be laughing and say, why is that man? Is, is he mad? Because my wife will just smile. No laugh, no laugh, just smile. <laughs> so when I married, I said, look, we have to go through this school. You really need to. You need to talk with me. You need to open up. You need to chat. And then when it comes to the area of sex, she was so naive. I'm the one that trained her how to make love. Yes. I taught her everything. But I went to the school of sexology before I got married. So I'm an expert. When it, uh, yes. <laughs> so after teaching her, today she's so happy. She's so happy. She's so happy. Say, ah, God, I thank you that I married this man. I thank you. Yes, the next slide. We'll just, this is an overview. Building block of Christian family home. Christ is the rock of ages. Love, you need love, you need faith, you need the word of God, you need hope. Hope is very important. No hope is very important. Things may go wrong, but hope is what keeps you going. What keeps you up. Okay? Sometimes faith may not even work with hope. <laughs> but you know, faith works with, with hope. Uh -huh. So when your hope is sharp, your faith will rise. You know, the two of them, they, 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 look, they live like a, a, a seesaw game. When one is down, one is up, one is up, one is down. So manage faith and hope to run your life. You will, not, you will never fail. Okay? Yeah, we, we all know it now. You know, another one for hope is expectation. Is that not? You always say the expectation of the righteous shall not be. And so keep your expectation. Keep it sharp. I always see my hope clearly, clearly. I don't let it dull at all. Keep it up. Then your faith will catch up with it. Okay, so then righteousness. We need right. Righteousness is doing the right in the right time. That's simple definition I just gave to it. Every family member must live a righteous life. No one left out. 
Nobody. Your children, every, keep them up. If you are not going to bring people into your house, well, we'll talk about that shortly. Then, work and finance. Very, very important. They're not like, I love you, and you're not doing anything. No work. No money is coming in. And then, trust. Trust. Dependency. Let me tell you, without saying anything, if trust is destroyed, that home is dead. It's finished. And so many things we do to betray trust. Please, don't tamper with trust at all. Don't be, be very honest. Be very open to your spouse. Please, don't deceive. Don't lie. Listen, there was something that happened in my marriage uh, after about five or six years. Then I, don't, I didn't used to feel the love of my wife. She's still deceived, but if you want to make love to your wife, you will feel the love. You will feel it. If you can't feel it, you are a dead man. <laughs> uh, you will feel it. Because you will, you will feel everything about the wetness, the softness, the tenderness. You will feel it. Many marriage problems can be solved on the, on, the sex, on the sex table. Yes, very easy. So, and I, I was meditating. I was meditating. I searched. She was doing every other thing normal and all of that, but... And I called, I want to say, listen, my wife, I don't have you anymore. So what do you mean? I say, yes. Something is missing. I can't place my finger on it. It took three months to diagnose, to search. And then suddenly she said, you see, the problem is that uh, influence from outside has changed me. I said, hey, no wonder. What is this influence? Said, Every time I go for business, go out, women will say, ah, when your husband died, family, there was a problem of family may take everything, all the property, this or that. We have our own house and all of that. And I was working in oil and gas, so she's troubled, she's worried. And so because of that, she started thinking about trying to save money secretly for herself to buy land to build a house. You can imagine that kind of problem. And this thing happened amongst us like this. We don't tell ourselves the truth about our lives. I told her, I said, we must solve this problem. We are one. We are one. So I promised, I said, let me tell you. We are serving God, isn't it? He said, God will keep me alive. Eh? Don't worry about that. Once our children have grown, once my son is already 18, ah, if I'm dead, my son is the head of the family. is the father. I said, tradition has that way the children are still under 18. They will say, ah, uh, you this woman, Okay, uh, we, uh, you will marry this man of the family because the children are still young. That's why I said, I know tradition very well. Listen, I will live up to when my children are 18 and above, and I will instruct my son once I am dead. Yeah, just tell all the family, say, Look, I am the head of the family. <laughs> I did here, can't we? <laughs> so you can't do anything about my mom and all of that. Not even talking about the legal part of which says that, you know, because we marry properly the legal system and the church. So I said, the legal system says that the wife inherits everything. We've told our children, listen, don't put your hope on all this problem. Go and build your own. Go and earn your own because all this is belong to. If your mother is kind, if I die before her, my, my wife will say, well, who knows, who knows when I will die before you? But we, we play about all these words. We don't say them out of fear. We don't say them out of panic. No. We have fun when we are talking about them. But that was what happened to me some years back where my wife was freezing. She was 
becoming frigid. She was becoming cold without saying anything. But God helped us by his spirit and we blotted it apart from our midst. And she's happy today. She's free. She's, you know, so just watch it. <laughs> Trust can be betrayed anytime. Trust can be destroyed. People from outside can destroy trust. Some people just bring a rumor and say, ah, you know your husband? Ha, I saw with a girl or this or that. Let me tell you, my wife is not here. I wish she's here. Uh, she traveled to Delta State. Otherwise, I would have loved to come with her. You know, she's a beautiful girl. Very beautiful. If you see her, you know, ask, ask Minister Lawrence. Uh, she, she's a very young woman. She's almost 60 now. But she, you, you look at her, she's like a 25-year-old girl. Because when there is love, hey, when there is love, everything will be young, 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 young. I'm telling you. Uh, look at the minister I came with. He came all the way from Abuja for the, our anniversary. So he said, ah, you are going out. I'm going out with you. He knows. He, 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 am I lying? My wife is so young. Okay? So, well, some people say, that's what God do to ministers of God. God give them beautiful women so that they will not look outside. <laughs> Okay, so the next slide, please. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. You know what we call faithfulness? Faithfulness. <laughs> this we have life is faithfulness is that is something you do deliberately. You don't you don't have the gift for faithfulness. It's something you do deliberately. I will be faithful to my wife. I'll be faithful to my husband. I'll be faithful to let me tell you, it got to a point where Many churches, they know me in Lagos that, or even in my office then when I was in the secular world, once it's three o'clock, I don't eat outside, never. Because my wife will labor to cook something for me. And I'll get one and say, darling, I've eaten. No way. So the whole world knows. When they say, ah, Emmanuel, come and have, they say, ah, Emmanuel, you not eat your food at all. Faithfulness. You have to be faithful in finance, in love making, in everything. Faithfulness. Brethren, people of God, please restore faithfulness into your marriage. Place it. Place it in your family. Place it in your, in your life. Very, very important. Because that faithfulness is a hold. It's a stronghold. But once you are no more faithful, there will be no more trust. There will be doubt. There will be confusion. Everything will be a mess. Yes. Uh, patience. We need patience. This is about building the Christian family. Many of us are impatient. Hurry, 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 hurry. We need patience. Sometimes something is happening, a business. Maybe just like uh, a month, the breakthrough will come up. You just quit. You know, there was this story of a man that was in Europe that uh, was searching for gold, and then he went to South Africa. He sold his house and land. The land has a stream. Okay, maybe you've heard the story. And then he sold it and went to South Africa to go and search for gold, because in those days, people were going to South Africa to search for gold. King Solomon's man. And then somehow, the man he bought the land, that bought the land from him went to the stream one morning, and there he found gold in the water. In the, in, the, in, the, in the bed of the, of, the, of the stream. The man was jubilated. The man became a multi-billionaire. 
So by the time the man suffered so much in South Africa, lost all money, everything came back. He found that the gold he was looking for was right there. Sometimes we just miss what we are looking for because of impatience. So patience is needed in Christian family so much. I have a couple that, uh, this one, you, you, you feel this one really bad. A couple that got married for 25 years, no child, but they were together. Nice Christian couple, powerful Christian. They, nobody looked outside. You see, but the, 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 the temptation was so strong. Listen to this, was so strong. You know what ministers face now? Plenty of temptation, sir. Plenty of temptation. This couple called me aside to their home and said, Daddy, please help us. We know you can keep secrets sacred. Please, can you make love to my wife so that she can be pregnant? That's how tough it is. They were so patient to a point where they called me and said, please, that I began to cry. I said, God, we give you your own child. We give you. You know, at the age of, I'm marriage of 28, the woman got pregnant and gave birth to a child. The, the thanksgiving, the, the joy was huge. They worship at Vining Church at Jaro Kajale. It was huge. It was miraculous. For them to come to that point to say, ah, and I should, I say, me? Never. Ha. To desecrate the sacredness. Of, no way. Listen. Patience pays a lot. It pays a lot. Okay? Then... You missed out forgiveness. Yes. Okay, forgiveness. Ah. <laughs> Please, brethren. Marriage is the institution of forgiveness. That's it. If you don't forgive, you don't have a marriage. Because people will always do wrong. Please. Forgiveness should be on the front line. Somebody does something wrong. Do you know why the person does the thing wrong? You think, let me tell you, in marriage, nobody will have the motive of doing evil against their spouse. So that's where you should relax and say, this person is a mistake. I think there's something that led to it. We'll come to it shortly, very soon. We'll come to that. Okay, so mentorship. In marriage, you must mentor, especially your children. Then, of course, transparency. That's the nakedness we're talking about. Transparency, all the money you have. Let me try. Throughout my life, I was working in the secular world. From day one, the salary, I tell my wife, exactly as it is. No hiding. Oh, by the way, if you are hiding your money, hiding your estate, if you die suddenly, strangers will inherit them. Yes, sir. Your family will not know about it. So that's a loss to you. Okay? So people that have building in Badon, in Abuja, I said, I won't tell my wife. I won't tell my wife. Who loses? You are, you are running a lose-lose life. All your money, keep it in the bank somewhere. I, no. The way I related to my wife on finance, I tell her, look, I have 20 million here. You can see, but it's for another purpose. You can't touch it. You see, but unfortunately, many women, once they know there's 20 million here, ah! You must give me money, oh, you must give me. Ah, ah, is it because? No, that's why the men are not opening up to you. Yes. No, you are not so. You should believe that that money is for another purpose. 
So you cannot, but let everybody open up the issues. Open them up. Open them up. Because when you take decisions without this hide, 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 decisions will not be quality decisions. And when you take those decisions, the process will hit a roadblock and there will be a mess. Okay, so uh, the home should be a place of peace and joy. This is very important. Love, peace, and joy. That is, measure the temperature of your home. Anytime there's no peace and joy, know that something is going wrong. Then you go to the altar of prayers and the word of God and search for how to restore peace and joy. And in of restoring peace and joy, you find that all this forgiveness will come up. Yes, the next slide. Please, it's my time. Time is running so fast. Okay. Okay. Now, what is the direction we are going in marriage? What is exactly the direction? The future. The future. The future. Let me tell you, all the time you spent in your life today is not as important as tomorrow. I'm telling you, never. The future is so great that you, you know what St. Paul said? I'll put behind me all that are past. The future, you can become anything tomorrow. You can be a president, you can be a governor, you can be a director general, you can be, you can be a billionaire tomorrow. So if you are burning your life off because of what happened yesterday, no, no, no. The direction must be put in your front. Say the future, the future is more important than all the time you spend. Okay? So it's like climbing a ladder. Okay? If you are climbing a ladder, the higher you go, the more careful you are. Because the man on the first rung, if he falls down, he will not injure so much. But the man on the last rung, if he crashes, many of us are trying to crash our marriages and we don't know we have come so far. You've, you've been married for 10 years, 15 years, 25 years, and you are doing like someone that I married yesterday. Ah, uh -uh. what kind of thing is that? Please. So the future, what is it? Aspiration to what? It's about the kingdom. Hello? Hello? That is, your future is to be able to make heaven, to have eternal life. So when you are gambling with your marriage, with issues, put in front of you, will I see make the kingdom, will I be able to enter the kingdom of God? That's what we talked about earlier on, putting God first. The future is really the kingdom of God. I like you people a lot. I mean, I envy our senior pastor. Has a lot of workers for God, a lot of ministers. Look, I, I see all of you. I see all of you. Uh, very much. <laughs> so, it is so good that you are focusing on the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. Okay? Please, maintain it. Okay? <laughs> then, of course, the future is the children. We must be able to create generational process, eh? set it up properly, and to create a generation. Eh, to, 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 okay, let me give us an example. I said this somewhere, Abraham. Abraham. Look at the children of Israel today. They are so mighty, right? They are powerful nation. Is that not? Yes. It's just one family. Yes, sir. Just one family. Yes, sir. Abraham only one son, Isaac. Yes, sir. From there. Isaac had Jacob and Esau. Yes. Okay, from Jacob, 
Jacob had 12. Before you know it, a whole mighty nation. You are a nation. But if you don't create the generational process, and what did God tell Abraham? He said, <laughs> Shall I hide anything from my friend Abraham? See that he will know how to conduct his family, his marriages. And he will do so. This one makes God to show you his secret. If he has a dream, you they see demons, you they see evil spirits. Uh, you are far from God. <laughs> Children of God, when they sleep, you don't know what the Bible says about your pillow. Eh? Eh? <laughs> Psalm 149. He said, Your pillow, now doorway to heaven. Listen, when Jacob was lying there in a thick forest, in the bush, when he was running, he used stone to make pillow. Suddenly, heaven opened and he saw ladder. When a child of God is sleeping, it's time to fellowship with God. It's time to, to meet with the heavenlies. If you did dream, you are seeing masquerade, being chased by a snake, another. Do you do deliverance in this church? Maybe you go to a mountain of fire where they do deliverance. <laughs> Praise God. So, brethren, it is about mentorship to be able to create a generation of people that will become a nation because the time we spend on it is so short. It's so short. Let me tell you. You are a brilliant student. You graduated, very brilliant. You graduated at 20. At 20, first class. And then you did your U-Core, 21. Then you pick up a job, 22. You are very fortunate, everything is super due. And then you work for three years, 24. Then you get married. You get married, then at 25, you give birth to your first son. Then you are neighbor, you try to have two or three children. Then you work to train them, to educate them. Now they graduate too at 45, 49, 50. At 45 to 50, what are you? You're already an old person. You're already facing middle-age problems. Those middle-age problems that are facing you, arthritis, BP, sugar, all this. <laughs> eh? If God is not happy that you have a very good insurance, <laughs> that's why the, the World Health Organization say the mortality of Nigeria is one, I mean 47. Abi? So if you're already more than 47, you are a very fortunate man. <laughs> it. So, this life is so short. Now, middle-age problem. If God help you, you struggle through to 50, 60, 70, you say, don't die, ah, he's dead. Ah, for a life well spent. That's what you want to murder yourself, to kill your wife, to kill your husband, to fight over money. No! No time. No time. No time. Focus on what is needful. Begin to train your children. Train them the word of God. Instruct them. Direct them. By the time you are 50, oh, you'll be, <laughs> you'll be, you'll be watching them. They'll be, is that not what the Bible says? Yeah. Eh? In Psalm 127. Have you? He said they will answer the enemy at the gate. You, you, you are in your house. You have no problem. The children will be solving problems. You, they, that's how to go. So let us focus on generational plans, generational mentorship, training, instruction. Okay? And this is what I'm talking about. It's not even about talking. But what we talk doesn't mean much. Yeah? It's the life you are living 
Because they say action speaks louder than words. Yes. I did talk, talk, talk. In fact, it's there somewhere in this slide. Communication. Communication, eh? There are so many things. There's verbal and non-verbal. And what we are told in communication training is that 95% of your communication is non-verbal. It's only 5%. What we are talking about? So 95%, you are, that's why people are talking to you. Look at the person very well. If you look away, you will not catch the message. So when he's talking, okay, when he's talking, you say, you will not catch that. You think he says something nice to you. <laughs> okay, so uh, beware of sex, money, position, titles, names, fame. Because these are the things people pursue. We pursue these things at the expense of our children, at the expense of their family. No, family first. Family first. You see, when I, when I got married, I made an agreement with my wife. Very beautiful. That's why I told my child, I say, honor your mother. If you don't even honor me, I don't bother at all. Because we made this decision. Say, look, I said, my wife, it's either we'll be running the industry or. And I sit down with the children, or I should run in the industry, and you sit down with the children. And we came to her and said, yes, I'll be with the children. So she made that sacrifice. It was a deliberate sacrifice. And so she set up a business. She, she closes the children from school. Let me tell you, I work with the American for years. The Americans, their women don't work. A few of them work. The, the, the women, they're at home. They will drive to school, bring the children, do their lesson with them, and all that. That is how to go. The women will prepare dinner. For the other one just say, ah, I'm going home, because they will have dinner together. They'll come back to the office. Let me tell you, family is uppermost. Yeah. Uppermost. All this one we are pursuing, 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 and you're undermining your son. You don't even know what is happening to your children, your daughters, your sons. <laughs> it's a big problem. Today is not about parenting at all. But let me tell you, just be careful. Otherwise, you might just lose everything you've been working for. Do you know, children, even in this Ikeja, in this Ikeja, children that were drug dealers, that sold their father's property in this Ikeja, a building of about 400 million, just sold it for 25,000 naira. Just give the paper to say, I take. To, to do what? To buy drugs. So let me tell you, everything you are doing is about your children, your posterity. It's not about you. I tell Pastor, I say, what is it I want to enjoy? I've enjoyed everything. I've been to Italian restaurant, Canadian, Arabia, all of them. I've been to all the continents of the world. So what? I, listen, now it's about you people, my children. Both my spiritual children and my biological children. It's not about positions, not about titles, not about any of those things. Because when you are gone, do you know how many people have come to this earth and are gone? People like uh, Julius Caesar, Augustus Caesar, all those big, big names. Eh? Winston Churchill, all these big, big names. But if you trace the line, the generational line, how many of them can be remembered still now, still relevant to life? But Abraham still stands. The line still stands. Praise God. So please focus on establishing your generational blessing down right now so that you'll be remembered. Okay, where am I? Progressive uh, 
progressive. Uh, oh, by the way, before I left that sex, some of us are so crazy about sex. So crazy as if. <laughs> there are three things the Bible says don't give your strength to sex, food, and sleep. <laughs> because you can never satisfy them. Never. You can never. If you want to eat, food will kill you. Because you will eat and you say, I don't go eat again. Okay. Or is it sex? If it's sex, how far do you want to go? You want to fuck on coke? <laughs> Let me tell you, Christian sex is different. Because so many things you can do about sex that will mess you up. They'll tell you, this or that, hey, different drug, people, uh, uh, aura, this, this. Jesus Christ. It's all, listen, the Bible called them, they are all vexation of spirit. They tend to nothing. Tend to nothing. They cannot endure. There were two men, this is a real life story, two men from my state, Delta State. They came to Lagos. And one of them was chasing sex, women, girls, this or that. One of them was very, very careful. Made money, went to build a house in Alaja. So, after some time, they, 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 they story building, they wanted to open the building. So the brother too also followed. And the two of them, the, the brother is even elder. So when they stood together, the family gathered together, so oh, what a beautiful thing. And then they were asking this, oh, how far, what did you achieve? Say, ah, if you see girls, uh, black, white, fair, short, tall. <laughs> say, is this what you are telling us? He said, you are a fool. You are a wasted generation. In fact, do you know, after about 10 years, he was gone. It's not that he died, but he was poor, miserable, nothing to write on about him. I can't forget it. I can't forget it. Let me tell you, don't give your strength to sex. Don't give your energy to sex. Come on, focus on better things. On the Holy Spirit, on the anointing, on the grace of God. Eh? On virtues. Uh, if you list the things that are written in uh, Philippians chapter 4, did you see sex there? Uh, he said, on these things, think. Talk about things that are pure, things that are noble, things that are... No sex there. Praise God. Okay. So the focus is on broken cord. That's what I said about Abraham. He maintained the covenant. There's a covenant of marriage. There's a covenant for family. That covenant must be maintained. Yes, the next slide. I need to run very fast. Direction of posterity, the power of the head of the family, sanctification. If you are the head, as a husband, your job is just to be sanctified. That's what the Bible Because Jesus said in John chapter 17, as I say, for the sake of the disciples, I just sanctify myself. You don't need to be in competition with your wife or children. No. Be in the place of sanctification. Then you can direct correctly. Because you can teach by your example. You know, Jesus was praying, praying, praying. Jesus, teach us to pray now. Jesus did not plan to teach them. He wanted to teach them by example. So he prayed to a point where he said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Okay? So the place of sanctification is the head of the Father. When you are so sanctified, you know, you are prayerful, you are on the word, you are worshiping, and all of that. <laughs> I hope you all know your minister now, Mr. Lawrence. You know, he's a great worshiper. Those of you that are not close to him, you may not know. In his house, with his wife and his children, they'll be singing aloud. I, I just believe that's what all of you are too. 
Yes, I'm sure. He's so great. No, the dancer and all of that, apart from the fact that he has trained his strength to play keyboard, to play the trumpet, and all of that. Let me tell you, that's what the head of the family must do. Be exemplary on sanctification. So when you say, <clears throat> they know what they're talking about. They will not find a fault to say, this is error, this is this. Oh, they, no. They will just see the purity in your life. They will not be falling in shape. So they will be conducting themselves very well around you. you know, let me help us with this. You see, if your house is very neat, very fine, even the person that is dirty will be conducting himself very well. Because when you get to the front, you say, ah, with all this migraines, I will not enter. But when your house is dirty, messed up, anybody, anything can jump in. That's how demons get into people's life. When you are not sanctified, demons jump into your, you know, into your life, mess it up and all that. No, be sanctified so that the glory flowing out of you will be repelling all the forces off. Okay? What's the next one? Yeah. Tolerance and perseverance. We've talked about that. So, this is where faith comes in. Just remember, there will be mistakes. There will be fault. But believe that all things will work together for good. That's all. Stand on that. When is that very difficult? That's why I say, I say everything will work out. It's as if we've never had problems. I have problem with my wife, with my children. So many of them. So many of them. Okay, like one that happened. My daughter that went to Covenant University. <laughs> the day she graduated, you know, those of you that your children are in Covenant, when they are leaving campus, they will phone you, right? Say, ah, your child is leaving now. After they phone you, then the next moment, your child will now call and say, I'm out. So, the day she graduated, she finished her degree study. They phoned me and said, ah. Daddy, I have uh, Thank you, sir. Thank you. I have uh, left. I'm just coming out of the school now. Please, I'm going out to meet a friend. I said, what? <laughs> I said, okay, I don't have problem with that. What is the name of the friend? He said, I don't have to tell you. I, uh, okay, by the way, where does this friend stay? Where are you going? He said, and then she fled up. Daddy, from childhood we've obeyed you. we follow your instruction. Now we are grown up. Look, you don't have to let us live our life now. Uh-uh. Even speaking for her brothers and sisters. That's when you'll be surprised when children shock you. When they shock you, ah, I started crying. I said, I called myself, come and see. This is death trap. So we thought we have these children all along. No, they are not with us. Their minds are different. Their thoughts are different. Your daughter said she wants to run away. I said, you that after graduation should come home, we worship God, thank God first. And then of course, what about telling us for security reasons? Where you are going so that we know we have we had a lot of problems. I have to design a way to tackle that problem, to solve it. You know, and sometimes if you're not careful, you begin to pass blame to your wife. Say, you are no, I didn't do that. I say, Mom, look, we have a problem. We have to really solve this problem. So I, I was telling myself, do you want me to kneel down here on the phone to beg you, please just come home. Let us thank God first. No, and we need to know where you are going. I said, because if you go there, if anything happens, we cannot 
hold anybody responsible, who cannot trace it. I have faced a lot of problems. So it's not like I'm telling things as if there are no problems. But when there are problems, just know that all things will work together for good. To them that love God. Just keep your love on God. Pure and steadfast. Yes. Being a Christian husband and wife, love in three dimensions. This is a quick one. Philia, okay, erotica, and agape. Those are the three departments of love. Three areas of love. These three, please, we use them together. Huh? We blend them together. Blend them. You know what's called tea now? Tea. When you make tea, can you tell the difference between the sugar, the beverage, the milk? No! It's a blend. So the love in the marriage should be both philia, erotica, and agape. The agape one is the sacrificial one. Today, many people don't want to sacrifice. <laughs> oh my God. We are almost turning to America because in the US, you know, when I went to, the, to the, in Houston, when I went to church, every husband and wife, they hold each other like this, so tight. Inside church, inside worship church. <laughs> they hold, as if that's where they will even just take the husband from you. As if that's where they will just take the wife from you. <laughs> that's not what it means. That's not what it means. No. That's not what it means. You can do all of that, but the problems are still there. You are sitting on top of those problems. Okay? So, let us learn to live with because the agape one is what Christians need. First Corinthians 13. Eh? Go and read it. Love is kind, is patient, is it doesn't count wrong. There was a couple, they are now in the UK, that they had problems. So the wife opened a book and wrote all the wrong the husband had done for the past three years. A full book. Ah, their marriage sponsors, because they were Catholic, they were there, I was there, I was invited. We told the woman, said, tear that book off now. Tear it. How can you be counting all this wrong? The husband did this, the husband did this, the husband did this. Look, people must do wrong. But please, I don't say go and do wrong. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Because people will make mistakes. Okay, so please, this slide, don't forget it. Okay, before them, before them, before them. The, the, the love thing I'm talking about, eh? either was the time I would have told you about. But let me just talk about the act of sex. Just brief. Listen, you know what I'm saying. Women do not get into the act of sex immediately. Husbands, they get to the orgasmic level so early, three to five minutes. And uh, women will take about 15, 20, 25, even 30 minutes. So what is the cure? Foreplay. Foreplay. Um, I know what I'm talking about because there was a marriage. I, I was invited with um, the wife of uh, Ohuabuwa, of uh, Nimed Pharmaceutical. Okay? Well, we are family friends. When we got there, for the past 25 years, the husband has never kissed the wife. So when we're talking, we say, ah, ah. We say, today you must practice it. You must kiss your wife in our presence now. Okay, so 
foreplay is the cure. There's nothing like I'm not in the mood. You can put your wife in the mood. You can put your husband in the mood. Please. This is sex. And the truth is that if you are making love, okay, don't get to the state of orgasm before your wife. Because that's true love. When you arrive together, that's when it is most beautiful. And this is very hard to get to. Very, very hard. It's a, it's a challenge. It's a big challenge. But if you are sincere and you are patient, ah, if you play with your wife very well, put her in the mood. Let your wife tell you now, you can come inside me now. Don't be the one to just go. No, your wife will tell you, now you can enter. That's how to make love. I'm serious. That's how to make love. Not the one you just get there. Oh, yeah. Please. This or that. That's why I need to mention that. So if you have been making love where you are doing like, uh, you are doing like, okay, let me take you to orgasm, then later I take you to orgasm. That's not love making. Many couples, they make love. The wife will take the husband to orgasm. The husband will not take the wife to orgasm. What kind of mockery is that? Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus. It's so ugly to me. Because I practice, I, I practice the reading. If you are sincere, foreplay, foreplay, foreplay. The wife will tell you now, you can't come in now. And then you will, she will be telling you why not to pour. It will tell you, don't just wait, wait. <laughs> then when you say pour, ah, when you both arrive at the same time, you are in paradise. <laughs> I'm telling you. This is a reality. This is, this is the truth. This is the truth. So I talk about I talk about renewal the other time. Renewal. Aging, wear and tear. Especially for us, head of family. Eh? One thousand kings of please be an expert in this area. Women, no, you are clapping. Women do a lot of sacrifice for us. Sincerely. They get pregnant. They breastfeed. Their breasts will fall down. And then now you are looking at the one outside. Ah, that's a betrayer. It's a betrayer. It's very important. We must maintain, maintain the love. We must renew it. Renew your love for your wife. The next slide. The power of communication is everything. I'll rush this one. Power of communication. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. Do you understand Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29? Eh? It says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Eh? So your mouth is a function of the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you are speaking evil from your mouth, you are an evil man. That's what the Bible says. Every fruit will be known, every tree will be known by the fruit. So if a tree bear orange, so if you do, if you are raising causes, you are stupid, you are you no, know, that means your heart is not right with God. But how can that be possible when you are born of God? You are born of the incorruptible seed, incorruptible seed of God. So can you fetch two water from the same well? So we need to be pure. We need to, we need to purify our heart. 
We say so many, we bring things from the Gentile world into Christian life, into Christian marriage, into Christian family. And it's so bad. Okay? We should stop all these things. Okay? So, the Bible says, let what you will speak be what will edify. So, the word edify means to improve upon. That means anytime you are talking to somebody, leave the person better than you met the person. You didn't hear me. Leave the person better than you met. Don't leave the person down, demoralize, discourage. No, no, don't do that. It's not Christianly. And the Bible says it will minister grace. I know grace is of Christ. So it will minister grace to the person. How do we measure grace now? Love, joy, and peace. Fellowship, oneness. Embrace will follow. So the hearer must be the object of communication, not the speaker. Okay? You, you, you want to speak to somebody. You are thinking of your interest instead of the interest of the hearer. No, 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 no. The object is the hearer. Let us correct our thinking. Now, when you want to speak to somebody, your wife or your husband, please, let us speak with a mind to make the person happy, not to make the person be angry. This is what damage our family, damage our marriages. Okay? So, non-verbal expression, okay, that's just a comment that verbal communication is 5%, non-verbal, 95%. The next slide. Okay, now, this is an area of a great interest to us. When you are talking to people, who are you talking to? This is, is something that uh, God helped me to realize only recently, when I was there. Uh, ministering to the couple in Canada. Because they were having serious problems, serious challenges, serious... And then I was praying and God opened my eyes. Listen, in one person, in one person, you have different personalities. You have the physical person, you have the mental person, you have the psychological person, you have the intellectual person, you have the, the emotional, the social, the moral, the spiritual. So when you are talking to somebody, you don't even know who you are talking to. We are multiple personality people. And that's why somebody said, he hurt me. And the person said, I didn't hurt you. No. When you talk to him, maybe you are talking to the mind, to the intellectual self. But you've heard the emotions. Or you've heard the moral, the moral, or you have heard the spirit of that person. Or you've heard the sexual person. You, are, you can demotivate somebody like The person will, not, will be free. will not be attracted sexually anymore. So we're actually abusing our own self, our own different dimensions of who we are. So when I told them, ah, they were crying. They were saying, I'm sorry. I told them, when somebody says you've done wrong to me, know that that person is correct. If somebody says you've hurt me, that person is correct because you don't know what area you've hurt or hurted. You may think that, okay, I'm talking to the intellectual mind, but you've, you've hurt the social person. Or you hurt the spiritual person. So when you damage any of these, and since you cannot design which of the personalities aspect you've hurt, then just say, oh, I'm sorry, darling. The next slide. Okay? So the mind, they had the mouth. Okay, I've said that. Then the stronghold in our mind are the demons. Hello? Hello? This is something that maybe you will not all agree with me, but let me tell you the truth. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 
verse 3 to 6. We would have read this one. What did he say? Say, for the weapon of our warfare are not carried, but mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. How do we, what do we think is stronghold? We think they are demons, right? Is that not? But the next verse says, eh, casting down imagination. Where does imagination exist? It's in the mind. Eh? Making everything subject to the knowledge of where does knowledge exist? All the things that are listed there, the mind. So demons actually exist in our mind. Demons exist in our mind. So that's why you find that we need to purify. That's why the Bible says, renew your mind. Renew your mind. When we are speaking to people sometimes, okay, look at what Jesus said. He said, the words I speak unto you, they are life and they are spirit. Is that not? John chapter 6, verse 63. Okay, when he said that, the way that I speak to you, they are spirit, they are life. So every word carried a corresponding spirit, whether demon or Holy Spirit, or that's what happens. Every word. So if I want to fight, let's say I want to fight with this young man, okay? If I want to fight with him, I don't need to slap him, I don't need to dagger him. I will say some words to him. You are crazy, you are stupid, you are... What will change? change in his, his personality will change. Because of that, he will carry a dagger after me. Because those words eh, will change everything about him. So that's why our tongue must be converted. Our tongue must be born again. And that's our heart. Our heart. That's where Christ sits in our heart. When you're speaking wrong from your heart, just know you are not representing Christ. You're not representing Christ. And that's why you find that those other personality aspects, we damage them easily. We damage them easily. Please, when you get home today, just husband and wife, talk to each other and say, I'm sorry for what I did the other time. Oh, I, I'm sorry I hurt you. You see? Even there was something that uh, my wife was upset with me about 20 years ago. This year I told her, say, after I realized that knowledge, I told her, say, I'm sorry. Although I was right, but because I've damaged something in her, I've hurt part of her personality. I say, I'm sorry, because I owe her that apology. Don't hurt yourselves. Because you never know which part of the person you are hurting. You may think you are hurting just the mind, the intellect. But you've made the woman frigid. Or you've made the man hurt, hurt his pride. And before you know, he doesn't talk to you anymore, doesn't communicate anymore. You've destroyed everything. Okay? The next slide. So that's why the power, I'm sorry, darling. You just say, I didn't mean to hurt you. I'm sorry. That's, that was settles everything. We like to argue to me. We like to prove our point. We want to say we are right. Don't, don't claim right. If somebody says, ah, you've hurt me. Oh, I didn't mean to hurt you. That's all. Because you really didn't mean it. If you hurt the person, you've hurt the person. You know, like the United Nations. In their document, they say sexual harassment is the person that claims harassment that is right. You don't know that. Eh? Internationally, if, uh, if, if a lady comes in here and I feel sexually harassed by her dress code, yes, I'm the one that is correct. If you, if you, if you shake a lady's hand and let's say you've harassed, the lady is correct. You can't be right. It's the person that claims harassment. The same thing. If somebody is hurt and say, you've hurt me, just know that that person is correct. 
Just say, I'm sorry, darling. Because all those personality aspects, you never know which of them you've damaged with your utterance, with what you said. Praise God. Yes, the next slide. Okay, so this is an area where wife, husband, please, let's learn to tolerate one another because everybody has the sword. This is a good knowledge for us. Everybody have weakness. Everybody have strength. Everybody have fear. Everybody have threats. So please, just know that. Don't carry your shoulder and like say, I'm the head of the family. I'm the... No, no, no. You have weakness. The wife has weakness. Everybody has strength. All we do in the knowledge of sword is that you try to convert your weaknesses to strength. Okay? And you convert your threat to opportunities. Praise God. Amen. Remember how to convert threat to opportunity, like David. You know, David came to the camp, and Goliath was threatened and all of that. Ah, David said, this is an opportunity for me. I will show this man today. And what happened? David became a hero. Okay? So you can convert your threat to opportunities. Because the bigger the threat, if you conquer that threat, ooh, it's a big win for you. Okay? So... But just remember that husband and wife, we all have weaknesses. And please, husband, don't hide your weakness from your wife. Don't. Ah, I do cry before my wife. Oh. Ah, don't be strong and say, I'll be. No. Because sincerely, if uh, I'll just cry and say, ah, I'm sorry, this or that. There's nothing to hide there. Okay? You have weaknesses, tell your wife. Many husbands, they will have an erectile problem, they will not tell the wife. And the wife will be having problems, say, what is doing my... The husband is cheating. The husband is cheating on me. That's why. Meanwhile, the man is not cheating. It's erectile dysfunction. And instead of tackling it together to solve the problem, because this is a problem that men will face in life. If you eat too much sugar, if you do all this, drink all this beer too much and all that, your thing not going to function well. Uh, so there's no hiding it. Uh, and then you begin to take all sorts of drugs, you know. The more drugs you take, the more you are damaging yourself, you are weakening yourself. But that's not the talk of this lecture, okay? So usually husband and wife, they see life differently. Husbands, they see long term, and the wife sees short term. This is a quick summary for us to learn. You know why? I was married to my wife, I will give her money. And when a man is giving wife money, you know, you think about Gary, oil, meat, and uh, what again? That's all, rice. That's all. So after some time, my wife would say, ah, ah, darling, the money is not enough for this, this. I said, what do you mean? This is enough. So one evening, I came for work, I finished eating, taking my bath, that's what she does. It doesn't confront me. When I sat down, I said, darling, we do buy matches. We do buy onions. We do buy sponge. Sponge. A man doesn't see those things. A man doesn't see all these details. The man sees big things. I want to set up a company. I want to be governor. I want to be this. But the wife is the one that sees the details. Look at, look at uh, Moses. Moses was so busy. You know? And then he didn't circumcise his own son. God was angry, wanted to kill the son. The wife just took what? A sharp stone. And they were, shh. Said, Moses, you're not going to kill me. You're not killing me in this marriage. Let me tell you, husband, 
wife see life differently. And the aspect she sees, and that's what you see, if you join it together, combine together, ooh, it's a beautiful life. But when you diversify yourself, divert yourself, and you're confronted, you're fighting yourself, you are damaged, you are destroyed so many things. Continue to see the facts you are seeing. Let the woman see the detailed things and all of that. And bring them together. Yes. And by the way, <laughs> listen, sorry, just before we leave, women, eh, they are more intelligent than men. Oh. You can debate it forever. Eh? Please. Uh -huh. They are more intuitive than men. And by the way, women, they mature faster than men. Yes. Because a little girl of 8, 10, 20, 30, I mean 15, has already matured to the age of 65 men. Because the men at 50, when they are 15 or 16, they are teasing them. They are already, because no knowledge builds maturity, is that not? So those girls already know what this is life, okay, so I can mark. The 65 year old man will be begging the girl, the shivery like this, because of sex. So the woman is empowered. But those boys of 15, 20, 23, what do they see? They still running around the street kicking ball. Like foolish people and all of that. He said, listen, women mature faster than us by far. And they are just playing second field, just saying, okay, you are the man, you are the head. Okay, be playing your guard there. If women want to wound you, they will do you so terribly that you will regret all your life. So that's why I respect your wife. Honor your wife. In the Bible, all the people that respect motherhood and women. Ah. <laughs> Ask Isaac now. Ask uh, Jacob. The mother just said, don't worry. I know how to do the dish. Eh? Every, ask uh, the woman at the wall of Jericho. Yeah. Women. Ask the, man, the woman that kills Sarah. <laughs> nice milk. Nice, I just brewed the nice milk. The man just slept on the job. Okay, so... Yeah. Okay, so please remember. Yes, I'll soon round up now. Secure your home and marry by respect and love. Okay? I'm emphasizing security and, and respect. Please, women, don't ever abuse the, the dignity of your husband. If you touch that one, you've lost everything. But men, please, don't threaten your wife. The greatest need a woman needs in her life is sense of security. This is it, sense of security. Because when a woman has delivered a child, okay, the way I normally analyze it, when a woman gives birth, when she gets married, she gives birth to a boy, like in Africa, I mean a girl, you say, ah, hey, when will I born boy you? When will I give birth to a boy? Because she feels that that boy is what will secure the marriage, especially among the Igbos. Then after giving birth to a boy, Another sense of insecurity comes say, now my breast is gone saggy, this or that. Hey, the man will be looking outside. So that's how women, they are not secure in themselves. So the only thing a man do is to reassure her every time. I love you, darling. I love you. Say it one million times. I care for you. I'll protect you. If you ever threaten a woman, ha. That's the home concept I mentioned earlier. She said, I will send you out of his home. You have no place. Uh, she has lost all hope. Uh, she will be a drowning person in an in a ocean. So please, keep your home secured in love. Yes, the next step. Uh, taking decisions. 
There's only one option that is right. God, husband and wife, if you take this job, all these other decisions we take, they are big, big problem. There's no time to analyze this. It's a big one. Eh? Sometimes God will not prove something, but two of you say, yeah, we'll do it, we'll do it. Okay, it's okay, you can walk. Like at the Tower of Babel where they all agree, but it was not the will of God. God said, ah, God said, oh, these people, they will succeed or they will succeed. So God decided to scatter it. Sometimes God scatter things that you are doing together. Say, but we both agreed about it. How come it's a mess? You don't know the source of the world. God was not involved. Okay? Sometimes God approves something, but two of you don't see it. Sometimes God approves something, it's only the wife that sees it. I say, but God is saying this is right. And you are arguing, debating. So those times of desire, you spend them to pray, to meditate, and keep it in the shelf. Go back to it. Keep it. If you are in a hurry, say, I must do it. If you don't like, you will like it later. You are damaging your marriage. You are damaging your home. Yes, the next slide. Okay, couples respect for each other. Uh, reference the personal profile that I mentioned, the personalities profile that I mentioned earlier. Okay, the next slide. Okay, this is the beauty of uh, adaptability. Okay, it's a, just a statement that look, don't be rigid. Don't be rigid. If you marry someone that is very rigid, even if it's for good, you will not like it. Because if it's so good and there's a need to change, say, this is who I am. Uh, you cannot change me. This or that. It's very dangerous. And there are many men like that, even women. You can't change me. Then, but marry somebody that's adaptable. You see, when something is played like this cable, you can't break it. Okay? So, life changes a lot. Sometimes there's no money, sometimes there's money. If you are rich, you say, This is me. You can't go and look for another job, you can't think about doing something, then the family will be in danger. It will be a serious problem. Yes, the next slide. I just want to finish it off. I'm almost done. Uh, so, in the family, you must set some commitment and limits. Very, very important. This is very important. You must pray together, worship together, study the word together, okay, in the family, on everyday basis. Very, very important too. I'm serious. No divorce. That one, you killed it. Don't even discuss it. Tell your wife, tell your wife, no divorce. It's not an issue. We're not discussing it. These are commitment and limits that families set. If you have not set your own before, please set them. Very, very important. Then two, eat, bed together, or play games together. Okay, those are regular ones. Don't go to bed with anger. Okay? Always set everything clear before you go to bed. Because where anger is in you, there's poison in your system. Then take decisions together. Be open financially by earning and spending. Prayerfully agree and send their family and friends into the nucleus family. Many of us will impose, it's my sister, it's my brother. When the other person, no, 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 please. Agree. These are commitment and limits that you must set. Okay? Then you can bring them in. Because you may bring somebody in my just disorganize the whole family. Okay? Prayerfully agree, send family and friends. Then no imposition. Always consult. Okay? Other commitments and limits. No abuses. If we kill in my family, there's no abuse. There's nothing like you can't make it. My children don't say you are mad. You're, no, no, no. They are they are alien to us. It's training. It's discipline. Okay? 
Okay, so no presumptions, no all those things. And then, okay, so I've mentioned derogatory comments like your head like monkey. No, there are better things to talk. You know, let us follow the standard. And then, of course, uh, this uh, sustainability law, which says every good thing reduce as you use it. Every good thing that you are using is always reducing. It's always. If you charge your battery now, if you are using your phone, the battery is going down. If you buy a bag of fries, you are eating, it's finishing. Except you deliberately do something about it. And it will cost you something to keep it going. So if you want to sustain your marriage, make sure all the good things that will always reduce. Every good thing reduces. Even simple things like uh, patience and endurance, they reduce. You heard it somebody and say, ah, he knows how to endure. He's very patient. No, it will get to a point where the person say, I can no more do it. Okay? So there's a cost to all this. Every battle is always increasing. Like this place, when we came in here, if it was so rough and dirty and messed up, and we can't use it. So except you deliberately reduce the battles. And when you are going to reduce at a cost, this is sustainability law. So let us not forget. Yes, the next, I'm almost done. So this one is, if you are having problem in your home, let your responsibility be constant. Always. We don't because we are fighting, we say, I'm not giving money for food, I will not pay school fees, I will not cook food. It's, we don't do that in my home. Whether we are fighting or not, my wife cook food and sell. Whether we are, we will pray together. <laughs> Yes, please. Very, very important. Don't forget. This will keep your home safe and sustainable. Yes, the next slide. Change of challenge of ownership. Well, in the, in, the, in the home, please, don't discuss about divorce. Say, this is my thing, this is my car, this is my house. Those things, they bring a lot of problems. You already betray your... The person will be looking for a way out. Okay, like I gave you the example of my own. And tradition is there, legal system is there. So the Christian covenant is what we must, we must stick to. Yes, finally, some very few references, some, they, I read old books in those days, Walter Trubisk. Okay, this was in the 70s and 80s. Then of course, people do call here. But these are just references, but you can check the web. They are there on, uh, on Amazon, Bands, and okay. You can look, at, look for everybody. Books are not really important. It's bringing the issue to your, to your family and tackling them, okay, and discussing one-on-one. -on -one then look for ministers, counselors to help. Not people that when they come and advise you, they scatter your family more. They take side. They take side. <laughs> Some women, they come to me and report something to me. I will beat them before they go. They say, but I am the one that came to the body. I say, yeah, but you are wrong. So we don't go to counselors that will damage, okay? So that's, uh, so, and I just said, Christ committed marriage, my marriage is a life of love, joy, and peace together forever with my spouse and children in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Ah. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your patience. And I want to thank our dear father, Thank you so much for the opportunity, sir. I love you.
Okay, and I'm grateful to the 1,000 kings, kings of grace. Yes, hallelujah. And thank you, my dear MC. Thank you very much, sir. Put your hands together for Reverend Emmanuel Okoro. Amazing discourse. Put your hands together for him. If you agree with us, things were said and things were said. Yes. And there are some things that I'm sure are on your minds already. So, we're going to give five minutes um, for our interactive session, maybe ten, uh, whatever time I allow. But uh, we also have refreshments that will be coming around at the same time. So, um, while we're putting stuff in our mouths, we should still give a little bit of space to think about what we want to ask our reverend, and then hopefully we'll be able to get the answers as well. Yeah. So if you have questions, uh, this will be the time to indicate by just raising your hand, and we will pass the microphone to you so we can get some answers. That could also help. Um, the families that have come in, if you don't have a pen, and you don't have paper, please indicate as well, and we'll provide the pen and paper to you, because we have some other things that will be happening shortly. Yes. If you have a couple of questions. If you have any questions, this would be a good time to raise your hand. And I will be coming straight to you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, don't be shy. Right, I will start, because I have a question. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> um, I think communication is definitely one of those things uh, um, that couples struggle with a lot um, in this day and age because of the background that so many people have come from. And like you said, a lot of times people aren't privileged to have been grown or raised in church. Um, and so they're coming from backgrounds that have taught them certain mannerisms, like, you know, don't, don't listen to your husband, or don't, you know, tell him all your, about all your financials and blah, blah, blah. Um, and people are now in church, except for counseling. As in, when I say except for counseling, I mean, obviously, yes, the, the word of God is, is key. But what are the things that people can do to help to cement um, that position of communication? What can people do in their own homes that can help them to encourage communication? Will you allow me to sit down, please? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, first of all, if somebody is not something you won't get any result from it. First of all, make sure your spouse is born again. Make sure the person has the spirit of God. And make the person to love the word of God. But sometimes when you, in some couple's relationship, say, okay, this issue, let us pray for I don't want to pray. I don't believe in your prayers. That's disparate. That, that's a dog. You know the mistake that Eve made? If condescended so low to the level of an animal, yeah. I mean, they are the only core. What, what concerns Eve with serpent? You know, so when you talk with people that are of different, uh, there will not be flow. So, first of all, let the person get to know Christ. Lead the person to Christ. Let the person love the word of God. Let the person love worship, love prayer, love God from the heart. Because once the love of God is shed abroad in the heart of the person by the Spirit of God, the person will begin to understand. They will begin to appreciate the angle from which you are coming. Okay? Then, of course, 
you must love the person. Sometimes uh, we, we, we are saying things from, from your own perspective. You know, put yourself in the, in the position of the other person. Say, okay, I, I can understand you came from this background, but uh, let me help you so that the person can see that you want to take her or him along. Because it's not only women, men too came from. There, there, was, a, there, was, a, there was a couple that uh, we met, myself and my wife, and uh, we came from, sorry to mention the tribe, Edo State, but maybe it's not all Edo State. Now, in, the, in their community, in their locality, once the wife is pregnant, the, wife, the man doesn't make love to the wife. And that's how the woman will stay until she delivers the baby. Now, and when she will deliver, it has a lot of difficulty. Because the body is tight, this or that, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, the rule is that you make love to the wife even to the last day that she will deliver. So that the body will be soft, the delivery will be so easy, without problem. This woman was crying and told my wife. And I said, oh, let's see how we can do it. So people hold traditions in their mind, concepts. Not that. So you need to give them superior knowledge, superior ideas, so that they can come out of. And sometimes these days there are scientific knowledge. Okay, so if the person is educated, you can prove to them. You say, oh, this is what works. This is the right thing. Then the person can change. And you must be patient with people too. Don't just to say force them to do this. That's okay. Do your own. I do my own. These are things that are split, that destroy families. Okay. Then of course pray. And then believe. Believe. Believe is so powerful. What you believe in your heart is what people perceive. What you believe. I'm telling you, if you believe, the person will change. But once you don't believe, the thing will be getting worse. Believe and be happy and say, I know you will change. I know you will change. I know everything will be okay. That's how to help these people to change, to, to be able to communicate. In fact, first of all, to get them to communicate. But that communication must be based on trust because if the woman does not, or if the husband does not trust, he will never communicate. Some cases, some children, even our children, they, they, want, they want to communicate, but they are afraid of what decision might take, the consequences. Okay, there are cases where a woman opens up and the man says, if that's the case, I'm going to marry another woman. <laughs> so, uh, they, what will the woman do? Okay? I'm, I'm telling you of really vivid cases. There was a woman that came to me that. She committed adultery. She went to a pastor in Idimo, and she came from Ikeja, and she was deceived, lured, and so she just cried to my house. I said, I'm in trouble. And her husband is a police officer. And was say, hey, what will I do? Can I open up to him? It was serious. So I will tell you, she should seek the face of God and pray first for forgiveness, for her to be cleansed, before even thinking of opening the, such an issue to the husband. You know, so there are ways of tackling this type of things with patience, with love, with the grace of God, you know, and this will work out. God bless you. Thank you very much, sir. Um, are there any other questions? No? No questions? So everything is okay and fantastic in every family, no questions? We could not deceive ourselves we're here. Hey, there's a hand there. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I have this issue when 
a man is down um, financially and um, explains all he's been through, um, why the reason um, he's facing what he's facing. And at that moment, the wife will tell you, remember, school fees is yet to be paid. This is meant to be done. This is meant to be done, you know, adding more pressure to the man. You know, how, how do you settle this? Okay, uh, first of all, many men, or everybody, even men and women, they, they are crying, they, they are weeping, and they are, they are explaining themselves from the standpoint of hopelessness. There's a way a man can talk to his wife, and the hope of the wife will rise. Have a job and just listing down problems, problems, threats, threats. Women don't, they don't need threats. They don't need threats. Once the man loses his job and you are saying, I don't have a job, I don't, you are threatening that because let me tell you, women don't want to face the disgrace before other women. No woman. They want to be looking nice before their mates, before their fellow women. So they, don't, they are vulnerable when it comes to the husband. If the husband doesn't have a job, the women are so vulnerable. You've wounded them so badly. So you need to stand and say, look, I don't have a job now, but I'm doing something. You must raise their hope. Because if you must give them hope, say, oh, come on, I can't do any other thing. After all, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ. So you don't have to wait for that super job. Can think of, and then the woman will know that you are trying, you are putting in effort. But when you say it from the standpoint of defeat, then the, the, what will the, man, will the wife depend on? Because you are the strength of her life. You are the power of her life. So and you are saying, I'm defeated. Then what will she do? That means she's insecure. Okay, so that's it. How you present yourself and what you are doing about it matters a lot. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. Sir. Reassurance. Okay. 